Blog Talk Radio. Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing underprivileged children with basic necessities of life. I'm also a board certified integrated holistic health energy psychology, positive psychology, and energy and vibrational sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where From the Heart Radio streams to you live each and every week, bringing you optimistic and uplifting information from interesting people people who are making a positive impact in our world. And today, we're very fortunate to be speaking with Simon T. Bailey, author of Ignite the Power of Women in Your Life, a Guide for Men, which is our topic for discussion. Simon has committed to a life of purpose that sparks individuals and organizations to lead countries, companies, and communities differently. His current mission caps an illustrious career as a Hall of Fame keynote speaker and renowned advisor to companies in diverse industries. His framework is based on 30 years' experience in the hospitality industry, 
including serving as sales director for Disney Institute based at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. And as a prolific author and speaker, Simon has worked with Signet Jewelers, Salesforce, T-Mobile, Stanford Healthcare, General Mills, and Hilton Hotels, to just name a few. He has three online courses featured on LinkedIn Learning that reach professionals in more than 100 countries. Recently, Simon became a certified Caritas coach, leading with heart-centered intelligence. His approach is grounded in caring science, which focuses on preserving human dignity and wholeness as the highest gift to self, systems, and society. It was Simon's goal cast video about a conversation with his daughter that inspired his book and the movement, a post that has spurred 90 million, 90 million, that's a lot, 90 million views on Facebook. So welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you for taking time to be here, first of all. It really is a pleasure to have you join us on From the Heart Radio. How are you being? I am being well. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad you caught that being part. Most people don't. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we have your book, Ignite the Power of Women in Your Life, A Guide for Men, which provides information about, I guess, about how to relate better to women professionally, personally, in any type of relationship. And that's really not taught often in a formal way, but it is learned by children from both parents usually based on the way in which they are brought up and seeing how the two parents interact. So having said that, you experienced an aha moment after a conversation with your daughter, and that was the conversation that I believe was the catalyst to writing this book, and that conversation went viral. So before we start getting into the book, would you tell our listeners about that conversation and how that all came about? So my daughter, Madison, came into my home office one day, and she said, hi, Daddy. I said, hey, baby girl. And she sat down, and I was getting ready for a trip. And I sensed she wanted to talk, but I was just emotionally unavailable to her. And so she sat for a few moments, and then she got up. She said, Dad, I see you're busy. I'll just come back later. And I said, okay. So she leaves my office, and it hits me on the plane the next day that I missed a moment to talk to her and connect. When I got back home, I said, Madison, you wanted to talk to me the other day. And she said, Daddy, it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. Because if I don't change my behavior and how I'm showing up, you are going to marry a joker just like me. And her mother said to me at the time, you give everybody the best of you, but you give us the rest of you. And I don't want the leftovers anymore. And what I realized is after going through a divorce, after being married for 25 years, I had built a house but lost a home. I was chasing for money but had no meaning. And I was pursuing success but had no significance because I had totally uh, forgotten to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is the family. That is really cool that you came back and said what you said to your daughter because so many times it's, oh, well, it's too late. I can't say anything now. And there is no apology, which means there is no uh, owning. You know, they, people don't own cool. what they've done. But you did that. Mm-hmm. So that, that I really love. That really, that really is cool to me because it seems to me that some men are afraid to be vulnerable with women, and you were with your daughter in that moment. And I think that most men probably feel – they can't be vulnerable because, you know, it's not masculine to do that. They don't want to appear weak, and they don't want to appear weak to women, but they also feel like if this gets out, guys are going to think I'm not like macho. Is that is that kind of how it works with men? I mean, I'm not a man, so I'm asking. So, yes, it does, and unfortunately, men have been conditioned to be emotionally – they've emotionally learned – how not to show up because if they do, they lose their masculine card because they hang with a group of guys who begin to say, hey, who's wearing the pants in your house? And because of that social conditioning and comparison and the need to compete, men emotionally suppress uh, themselves and they never fully show up as they could because of the perception. But I believe there is a new rise of men 
who are waking up to the fact to say, you know what, I do have emotions. And if I want to express myself, if I want to cry, if I want to use all of the tools that are available to me, it doesn't make me less of a man. It makes me more of a human being. Okay, I'm really glad you said that, too, because I see that as well. You can see it on TV, and, you know, whether you want to believe, um, what is it, real TV, virtual TV, whatever it's called, when you see these shows that are live and about, like, The Bachelor or The Housewives or things like that, there's a lot of fakeness in it, but sometimes the guys are vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, if they're showing this on TV, then that probably means there's more people who are being vulnerable and able to show their emotion, because that's critical. That's critical to showing mm-hmm. who you are as your authentic self and building a relationship. Yes. Absolutely. Because when you do that, when, when a guy can show up fully alive, fully connected from the inside out, what he is saying is, I'm authentic. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I have taken the mask off, and I'm willing to be vulnerable and be real in this moment for who I become in the process. And to me, that shows strength. That shows great strength because it's not the norm Absolutely. or wasn't the norm. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, um, I think, mm-hmm. I think more moms are probably bringing their kids. And I say moms because kids are usually at home with their moms rather than with the dad. Although there are a lot of dads who are at home dads right now, it seems it's still a, a, a mom culture for the most part. And if they're bringing up their kids yes. to show the fact that you can be vulnerable and emotional, that's going to help down the road, especially if dad's doing it. And you stepped up with your daughter, so you were doing that. I did, and it's an ever-going process. She and I have come a long way, but I realized what really accelerated it for me is when my divorce attorney suggested that I go to therapy. And no man wants to go and sit on a sofa with a therapist named Anita, who's been practicing therapy for 40 years and has more degrees than a thermostat. And, and you know what she said to me? She said, whatever you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. If you do not address what is swimming in the ocean of your soul, it's going to show up. And, and I recognize that therapy was so needed in my life to address some of my unfinished business. You know, that's become a real topic today anyway, mental health, and that's part of it. As much as people think, well, mental health is mental illness. No, it's not. It's totally different from mental illness. And mental health is being able to learn how to struggle well. We all have to struggle, so we need to learn how to struggle well. And in those struggles, whether it's in a relationship or with ourselves, in our job, our bosses, however it goes down, we need to learn how to do that in the best way to, you know, self-efficacy and resilience and build all that up so that we can get through without having the high anxiety and the stress that comes with it and have breakdowns in those relationships. So, you know, when people, I think therapy also has become something, especially in the past few years with everything the world has been through, people are realizing that, yeah, you do need a support system that's outside of what you know, because they're going to be real with you. They're going to tell you the truth. And as you yield and surrender to the power of therapy, it helps men to come into a right relationship with the women in their lives. It helps women too. So even though your guide is geared toward men, there's a lot that can be taken from it for women. I kind of read it from a different perspective than just being a guide for men. So, We'll get into that a little bit later, but right now um, in your book, you talk about advocating for women, both professionally and personally. How do you believe men can and should do that? I think, let's look at it from a, a personal standpoint. It's first of all, asking the women in your life, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to support your vision, your dream, number one? Number two, what can I do to appreciate you and validate you in whatever you're trying to accomplish? Number three, where am I currently communicating that causes you to shut down or to be concerned that I am hearing but I'm not really listening? And those are the types of questions that when you pose those to women personally, it will unlock 
uh, her to begin to share, right? Then from a professional standpoint, how do you champion her inside an organization? How do you celebrate her contribution? And how do you ensure that you are opening doors and uh, using your credibility to help women advance? And that certainly means equal pay, uh, women being treated fairly, and be given opportunities to lead the conversation, to lead the organization, to lead the department, and not be threatened by it at all. Okay. And I get that. But I kind of... I kind of want to disagree a little bit because I get that we need to support women and, and ha, you know, how can you, I support you in your vision, but it has to go both ways because if, if the husband or the, the boss is doing everything and not getting anything in return, it's not equitable. So if, if the husband is going to support the wife, then the wife needs to support the husband in his visions and in his dreams and value him and communicate with him properly as well. You believe that, correct? I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Yeah. I just, it, it, to me, the equity needs to be there because sometimes, I mean, a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, she's a princess and there are women who are. They will, they want their husbands to do absolutely everything and then they want more. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. I think it needs to be fair across the board where it's not just about you have to do this for her. It has to come back the other way. There has to be reciprocity. And that was, that was something that I, I, I looked at in the book and I thought, but where's the reciprocity on the other side? It needs to be shared or else you don't have a relationship because ultimately it will build resentment when one person's doing a lot of the giving and the other person is not showing up. You know, no, I don't want to do that. I know I said I would, but I don't now. I want to cancel this. I want to cancel that. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm tired. Whatever it is, um, you know, not helping out around the house if that's something that needs to be addressed, if there are things that need to be taken care of. All those things come into play. And I just mm-hmm. wanted, wanted to put out there that it really has to be reciprocal. I agree, and you're right. Because that way, you know, you've got a balance mm-hmm. in, the, in the works with, with what is happening between everyone. Now, I know that mm-hmm. sometimes that can be difficult because men can be intimidated by women, particularly probably in the workplace more than at home. And that's not fair either. I, I don't. I don't know what. I mean, I know. I know a woman that everybody's afraid of, <laughs> and I just look at that and think, why is everybody afraid of her? I don't get it. But they are. They think that she's almost mm-hmm. all powerful and can take them down. I don't know how that came up and started, but it did. And I, I feel bad for the people that feel that way. So, what do you feel that men and/or women can do so that they can come over that intimidation of someone else who really carries that kind of and I don't want to use the word confidence, but there's something that is an air about the person where people are just completely intimidated by them. Well, I think they have to, first of all, say, what is it about that person that uh, causes them a little angst, right? So, so what is it about that person? Then do they feel uh, the, that they have the relationship to approach that person to talk it through? to begin to say, here's my observation, is this true? And, and I think the third thing is to really look at, you know what, how can I help this person and show value and add value to their life, uh, even though they've got this wall up as if, you know, they're untouchable or unapproachable. And I think sometimes there's a story that builds in our head because of something mm. that's happened, and I think if we approach them, and talk it through, we may learn something totally different. And it can be a story that was passed down from person to person that you personally didn't even experience. You've just heard these things. And therefore you don't want to even broach the person. Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. And you know how stories morph. The stories morph. Yeah. They morph, right? And then people yeah. are like, no way, I'm not going to approach that you know, person at all. <laughs> I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's horrible. Exactly. And it seems yeah. sometimes yeah. it's, in many cases, it's more 
that the women are intimidating. And what is up with that? I mean, I look at that too and I think, wow, people are, I mean, I've met a lot of men through a lot of different organizations and I have no problem with men. I get along really well with them in the boardroom or whatever, but I've had women in a boardroom get really upset with me because I've quote unquote sided with the men. When in actuality, all I was doing was looking at what do we have here for an issue and how are we going to solve it? And quite frankly, the men had a better idea. So it was like, well, yeah, this does make sense. But the women were so headstrong about, you know, I want to win. They weren't going to, it wasn't a good plan. And then they'd be mad at me afterward because I sided with the men. What is it about, I I don't know, you know, women being, being so intimidating that men can't broach them and say, you know, you're not, we don't feel that that's a good plan because they just don't, they don't even know how to verbalize it or word it. Where does that come from? Do you think? think, Yeah, I think there's been some conditioning where women have been taught if they are going to be heard and be valued, that they have to almost act like a man. They have to be forceful. They have to, you know, let everyone hear them roar. And so it's that conditioning that some women have grown up that they've got to stand up for themselves or they'll be run over by men. Uh, so, and sometimes some take it to the extreme, right? And it mm-hmm. causes others to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, I remember one part of your book, I wish I could remember, remember where it was in the book. It said something about, um, and all the women has to do, woman has to do is wear a skirt. And I started laughing. Because a lot of women have been taught, if you want to make it in a man's world, wear a pantsuit, wear pants. I have never. I just, I've always been a skirt and dress girl, okay? And when I go anywhere, I see that I'm actually treated differently. I've noticed it. Men respect me. They hold the door for me. They'll put a chair out for me. I like being treated like a girl. I really do. But I also give them their due because... If you're gonna, if you're going to play the part of being a woman, you have to treat them like they're a man. You know, women are special, but men are special too. And you have to, again, it's that mm-hmm. reciprocity. But I notice this. Mm-hmm. I notice that there's a difference in the way you're treated, and it isn't about the pants. It's not about that. It's about how you act with these people and how you interact with them, and how you give and take. And I think a lot of it has been treated like. If you want to make it in a man's world, you have to dress like a man and act like a man and be like a man. But then you kind of don't get the respect. Do you find that to be true? Totally, totally, because there is something that's missing, and you can sense it. Uh, So what you've just articulated, the reason you receive respect and the doors are open for you and people receive you is because you are comfortable and confident in who you are, and they can sense that. It's a vibration that, that literally emanates from you. It's an energy that people know she knows who she is, and I'm comfortable with yeah. her. I'm not threatened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it. You're not threatened. People are not threatened, and yet when, when somebody is acting a part, there can be that threat there because you don't know what they're going to do yes. next, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It could be a big, big mistake. We just have no idea. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So you are, in your book, you talk about four practices of caring science, which is, or actually it was you know, back in like, I don't know, 1979 or something. Caring science was considered a unique holistic approach in the, in the field of nursing. And it was to be mindful in, you know, the way that you treated or administered, uh, you know, patient-centered care. So a lot of people don't really understand caring science that much and how it's evolved. What do you mean by caring science as it pertains to the male-female relationship and in the workplace and such? So number one, heart-centered intelligence. And there are four practices that I introduce in the book based on caring science and the work of Dr. Jing Watson. Forgiveness, surrender, gratitude, human compassionate care. So when I talk about forgiveness in a relationship between a man and a woman, um, having no record of wrong, finding a way to say, I forgive you and I re- receive you and accept you for who you are. Number one, when we talk about surrender, yeah, just take it. If we can take sure. it one at a time. So forgiveness to me, that is usually the hardest thing to do. And I find that in speaking with people and, and, you know, and, and what's going on between couples, that forgiveness 
is harder to forgive yourself because you don't want to take the blame. It's harder for the person to forgive themselves than it is to forgive the other person in many instances, not all, but in many instances. Mm -hmm. But it's also probably the biggest thing to open the door to the other three. Do you agree with that? Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Because when you forgive, you also have to forget. Some people say, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to forget what I did. Mm. So what happens is you stay, you stay in this loop in your head like something has happened. You've built up the story. I thought I forgave myself, but what if? What about this? What about that? And you continue to revisit something that you can grow from if you truly forgive yourself. And, and so forgiveness is tied to love, self-love. So when I truly love who I am becoming, I forgive myself and I let it go. Thus, I can enter into a whole conversation with another human being and truly forgive them because I live in internal forgiveness within myself. And I think a lot of people think forgiveness is actually saying, okay, you know, you're, I can, it's okay what they did. Forgiveness is not condoning anything. It's merely being able to accept what happened, kind of cut the cord and move forward. It's not condoning what you or the other person did. It's just saying, all right, that's, that's done. Let's not have that happen again. But a lot of people think, well, if I forgive them, they're going to think it was okay. That's, that's not what forgiveness is. No, no, it's not. Forgiveness is how do I come to a place to emotionally unlearn what has happened, learn from it, but then unlearn and relearn what am I going to do the next time around, grow from this experience. Forgiveness chooses to look through the windshield of where you're going instead of the rearview mirror of where you've been. Yeah, and I think it's a real growth spurt. You know, anything that we go through that's difficult is our greatest growth, right? Our most difficult challenges. So that, and and I think that's probably the hardest thing for people to do. When we try to teach people forgiveness, there's a resistance, you know? No, because it doesn't mean what you're saying it means. And they have to finally get it in order to be able to, Mm -hmm. to do it and become that person who has grown and know how to move forward from that point on. I'm sure you've seen that in your career as well. Yeah. Totally, totally. When, when I understand how to truly forgive, that's when I become more of a human being instead of a human doing. Because right. the, the being, pre- prefix be, I know how to be in the moment, be in my emotions, be with my feelings, and not work against myself, but go into the flow of what can come from this situation. How do we move forward? How do we grow from it? And that's intentional actions every single day, choices, decisions to continue to do the work. And on both parts, whether it's men or women, it's, condi- it's absolutely conditional in both parts being reciprocal, you know, in, the, in what they do so that everybody is feeling loved and stroked. Everybody needs stroking at some point. So, you know, you can't just be completely taken advantage of and, and disregarded. You have to have that stroking in there. And forgiveness is part of that because it's a, it's a two-way street, you know. Each of you has to forgive the other and yourself in every situation where the student and the teacher, right? So you have to be able to look at it and say, okay, I forgive. And I, you know, yeah. And that's why I ask at the beginning of the show, how are you being? I have to tell you, so many people don't Mm -hmm. catch that. They're just like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm like, well, what are you doing? (laughs) 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 So that probably takes care of the forgiveness part. Now, the second one that you referred to is surrender, correct? Yes. So surrendering is releasing the need to figure out how everything is going to work out. It's what Wayne Dyer called years ago, detached intention. My intention is for the best outcome to happen. But when I truly surrender, I'm not trying, I'm, I'm letting go of being a control freak and I control the controllables and those things that are out of my control. I surrender the need to try to fix everything. 
Yeah, that's a good one, too. But you have to have a forgiveness thing in order to do the surrender. But then the surrender brings you right back to, well, how do I do that? Because so many times, particularly, I think, men, when men communicate or when a woman starts talking and a man says, okay, well, Mm -hmm. how do you want me to fix it? I mean, we've seen this on sitcoms over and over and over again. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen, right? (laughs) But men always want to fix. They want to make everything right because they're trying. They want to help you. They want to make it right so that you feel good. And that's that's fair that they feel that way, but why women get upset about it? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I don't need you to fix it. I just want to know, you know, I just want you to hear me out. And surrendering mm-hmm. to the outcome, we're always trying to tell the universe, this is how it's going to go down. And then that's usually when we get mm-hmm. kicked in the head. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not the way it's going to go at all, honey. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that yes, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, totally, totally, absolutely. <laughs> But surrender can be hard. It can be a difficult thing because you just we don't know what we don't know. Correct, correct. And when you surrender, you are opening yourself up to say, what's her perspective? Here's my perspective. What just went down? How do we look at this? Another thing to think about surrender is you come through door one, she comes through door two, and the goal is to find door three together. How do we how do we move through whatever is going on by surrendering our idiosyncrasies and how we think things should be to kind of merge and mesh into what could be that we'll discover together? Yeah, and that can be as long as both people are on the same page and working toward the same goal and have done the forgiveness, they can do the surrender and find that, you know, there's a lot of work to this and it's not, it's not that it's difficult work. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. It can be challenging, but it is simple because it's right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The tasks are simple, but they're not easy to do. How do we get there? How do we get there? Communicate. Number one, use all your words, right? Uh, Number two, begin to point out, hey, I don't agree with this. Can we talk about this a little bit more? And be open for that pushback uh, to say, okay, let's try a different path. You know, and so it's communication, communication. Yeah, no accusations, no pointing fingers. Just the presentation is everything, right? So it's the way that you present instead of you always do this and you always do that and you always do this. And instead of that, it's, okay, this is how I feel and I understand your side, but can you hear my side? This is my perspective. This is what I'm trying to say. And that's on both sides again. It is indeed. And you said something really important. It's, it's that showing up. It's that commitment. It's okay. I'm not going to point the finger at you. I'm going to look at myself as well. Right. It's not like some people, I'm not going to point a finger at you. I'm just telling you why you're wrong. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. <laughs> and I think, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? I'm not, you know I'm not going to point a finger. <laughs> when you point the finger, you have three, you have three fingers That's pointing right. back at you. So. That's right. And I've said that to people. There's three pointing back at you, so you better watch out what you say, you know. <laughs> I've even said to people, I haven't gotten to you yet. <laughs> It's pretty funny, but it's not. You know, you can't laugh, Um, but you want to because it's just kind of crazy that, you know, the accusations that come out of nowhere for no reason, and it's instead of being almost civil, we can be civil with one another. I mean, after all, this is the person, you you know, you said that you love. Treat them with the respect they deserve no matter which side you're on. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that kind of takes care of the surrender part, does it not? It does. Okay. Which one do you have next? mm -hmm. I had gratitude next, but you go ahead. I don't know which order you're in. Gratitude is is a great place to start because once I come through surrender, then I am grateful. I I find the silver lining. I get up every single day to find something that I cherish about you and about our relationship that perhaps I've never articulated before, but I can articulate it every single day. So net-net, Find something to appreciate about the person in your life and tell them that and, and, and write it down. Give them a handwritten note, buy a card, send a text, create a video, some act of gratitude just to say, I see you. Thank you. 
You know, and part of the gratitude, I think, it doesn't even need to be, and that's not complex, So, but I can't think of another word to use. It doesn't need to be that complex. It doesn't, you don't need to necessarily get a card, but I guess it te- I don't text, so, you know, I guess that's a good thing to do. Um, my husband and I, when we were working corporate, we never called each other at the office because they were paying us to do a job. They weren't paying us to talk to each other on the phone, so we never did personal mm-hmm. phone calls. And even when we, if we mm-hmm. got a phone call from the other person, the first question was, what's wrong? What happened? Because you knew they weren't mm-hmm. calling just to chit-chat. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do that, sure. but gratitude between husband and wife and even bosses and everybody, anybody, everybody, all you have to do is say, thank you. All you have to do is yes. be courteous. Please pass this. Could, could you please do that? Would you get me this, please? Please thank the courtesies really make a difference. They are huge in the way that you are showing respect to a person. And that's not hard. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be consistent. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but today I just see people saying, get me this, get me that, do this, do that, and not a lot of thank you and not a lot of please. And even in times of argument, please and thank you has always been a constant in my life. It's just what you do to show respect for someone, regardless of what you feel about them. I've worked with people that I didn't care for, but please and thank you is the least you can do. Knocking on the door before you go in the office, not just barging in, but knocking on, you know, the boss's door, somebody else's door. And even when the door is open, just knock on it and and they'll look up and you'll say, I'm sorry to bother you, but, you know, may I come in, may I speak Mm -hmm. to you? Mm -hmm. These are the little courtesies Mm -hmm. that I find fall under gratitude. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gratitude's huge. I mean, if that's the only prayer you ever say, it is enough, you know, and that is, I, I think it's huge. But I see so many couples not necessarily being courteous to each other. And that's respect. That's a sign of respect. Totally. Totally. Yeah, and that has to come, that has to be part of it. Because if you don't respect the person that you're living with or working with, or it's kind of over. <laughs> it is. It is. So, and I, I think that one of the things that I've um, spoken to people about as far as gratitude goes is if they could take a gratitude journal and just write out things. They don't have to share it with anybody. It can just be their own thing. And even if you don't have to write it, you don't want to write it down. If you don't want to do a journal, at the end of the day, just think about three or four things that you're really grateful for. And I mean really grateful for, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be anything. So, once you start doing that, you see the gratitude in everything, your spouse, your kids, mm-hmm. your boss, your coworkers, your friends. You see it in everything, and your vibration automatically goes up. The energy is higher, and it makes every relationship a whole lot better. Yes, it does. So any more on gratitude? So once you have gratitude, then that leads you to compassionate human service where you really begin to show up and say, how do I serve this relationship in a fresh new way? How do I look for those opportunities to be kind, uh, to extend myself, to go above and beyond? And that's both sides. Mm -hmm. So even though I know the book is, you know, Ignite the Power of Women, it's great. But both sides have to, especially Mm -hmm. where there does seem to be, a movement toward, you know, there are men that want to be at home with their kids and be the at-home dad, and the moms want to work. And if that's the way that relationship yes. works, that's great. So it's not just about the person working outside the home. It's about the two people, because no matter what their position is, they both deserve to be, I'll use your word, served. And, mm-hmm. and you should want to do that. You should not feel like, oh, I've got to do this, oh, I've got to do that. No, it should be a, you know, okay, I get to do this, I get to do that. Now, that was probably yes. came up the most during COVID because it was really difficult, you know, and even thinking of things. I mean, I caught myself, and I still do. It's like, I have no idea what to make for dinner. I mean, what do you want for dinner? I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea what to make. Give me some ideas. I don't know, you know. <laughs> you know? And I'm constantly saying this. Do you have any ideas for dinner? And, and what's easy? I'm like, no, I don't want what's easy. I want to know what you want for dinner. I'm asking a question. And sometimes sure. it can be really sure. hard to come up with an answer. But I get it. It's hard for all of us, you know. So it's kind of like, it's almost laughable. Yes. Where it's like, oh, I hate this part of the day. But, you know. Yeah. That's what you have to do. But no matter who the person is that's at home or who the person is that is working, there has to be 
that service to both. Correct. And and yeah, when, what a, when you are serving each other, you're actually modeling something for children and everyone else yeah. that you're connected to. The whole thing. They see it all. They see the surrender. They see, Kids Correct. pick up stuff that we don't realize. They're like little vacuum cleaners. They just suck everything up, and they see it. And that's why when they grow up, they end up being – because you know that expression, you married your father, you married your mother? You did. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because that's yes. what you saw all your life, you know? And sometimes that's good. Yeah. Oh, you married your mother. She was a great cook, and your wife's a great cook. Or you married your father. He was a, a good provider. You're a good provider. But being a good provider isn't the only thing. There's got to be more to that. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's mm-hmm. it's – the, the team, you know, it's being part of the team. So I think that's um, really, really important to get that down because the kids do, they do learn so much more. And just from you have watching that. The fruit doesn't, yeah, the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah. And you want to make sure that. You know, people want to grow their children to be liked by everyone and, and, and to be good people, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, you're at the beginning of the show, you said, I told my daughter, you're going to marry somebody who's, I don't know if you said a, a fool like me or something like that. And I thought, you're not a fool. <laughs> you know, she loves her daddy no matter okay. what. If she married somebody, you know, like you, that would be a good thing. But I get where you're coming from. It's a different perspective. And you're yeah. trying to teach her, find somebody who's present. And who will take time for Correct. you. Yeah. Correct. I, I think the other side of that is, too, that when, when two people are working, what, or not, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's an at-home person, mm-hmm. you have to read each other's energy. So whoever walks mm-hmm. through the door at the end of the day, if you're already there, you have to look at it and say, okay, I had a miserable day. And then you look at that person and say, mm-hmm. they had a miserable day, too, and I think theirs might have been worse. And you have to be willing to surrender and say, well, what mm. happened to you? Because you have to be the stronger mm-hmm. person. And whoever chooses to do that wins because they mm-hmm. get to listen to the other person and try to help them. And you can't tell me, because I've seen it work in my own life, that it doesn't help you out when you're helping someone else. It always, always, always helps you with your issues. Yes, it does. Well, the research says when you help someone else, the reward centers in your brain begin to light up almost as if you've been on the receiving end of the act of kindness of helping someone else. You actually help yourself, and it's healthy for you when you do it. Absolutely. And there are heart coherence techniques that I use with my patients that are um, getting your heart and your mind coherent so that you are not reactionary, that actually reduce your cortisol levels and raise your endorphins. You don't have to just Mm -hmm. do it with you. I've learned how to do that with others so that you can help bring them into coherence without having them go through the entire exercise that you teach someone to do it for themselves, but then they start to feel better and then they pass it on and then that person pass it on. And isn't that a wonderful pandemic to spread? (laughs) It is in a good way, the most healthy way. Yeah, better than the one we got going on that everybody thinks is over. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. Now, one of the you talked in your book about um, professionally speaking and how to bring in mentors and things like that and give opportunities. And that's wonderful. Um, Would you like to speak to that for a couple of minutes, how the the professional part of this comes into play for you? Yeah. So one of the things uh, I had an opportunity to coach uh, six leaders over the last 12 months, all six leaders happened to be uh, females, and they were leaders of leaders. And one of the reoccurring themes um, that I heard was not receiving adequate support from their leader, who was a male, to truly move forward in their career. And so the first thing is that men can do is to ask themselves, how am I advocating for women in the workplace? That's number one. But then the second observation uh, is to stop giving women work that is non-promotable work, work that does not help them move forward uh, in the organization, and really ensuring that if there are projects or opportunities, that they are getting visibility because when they have visibility, it establishes their credibility. So men having that, that wherewithal to say, wait a minute, how am I doing right by women 
and helping them really be activated and advanced inside the organization. Now, do they do that normally with men? Do they offer them opportunities? Do they give them mentorship? Do they adequately support them? Or in some cases, is it true that men will come in and a guy might feel threatened because that person that, you know, maybe their boss hired to work under them is now better than they are. Is that a reason why maybe they don't want women to show them up just like they wouldn't want a guy to show them up who might, they might perceive as being better than them? Yes, that is true. That is true. In some instances, it determines the environment, the person, the company, the culture. So yes, that does show up. In other instances, uh, sometimes the reason women are not advanced is because the guys are looking out for the guys. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the good old yeah. boys club. So they're like, you know what, we don't want women here, you know, because we like to tell our jokes and do what we do. And, and you know, if a woman comes into the mix, we've got to stop it, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's the other, other side of the story. I, do you think that some of the companies today, the cultures are changing, the companies that are started by um, some of the millennials, like, and maybe they're not millennials, I'm not sure, some of them might be older, um, Google and uh, Microsoft and some of these tech companies where they're more driven by younger people, the company culture is different than the old boys club way? Yes, it is. Well, the first thing we have to look at is the research. Uh, there are more women in college than men right now. If yeah. you follow that trend, that means that there will be women elbowing men out of white-collar jobs. So many companies right now are waking up to the fact that they've got to be flexible with how they recruit, how they uh, look at all of the things that's needed to attract women in the organization and make sure that they want to stay and grow in the organization. So many companies are adapting um, leadership programs to help women advance. They're looking at flexible arrangements. But here's the other thing. There are many conversations that are happening in households, and the conversation is who is going to have the lead career. And now what you're yeah. discovering, women, women are stepping up to have the lead career, and the dad is going to be the stay-at-home dad because they've made that agreement. And so companies right. realize they've got to flex if they want to attract new talent and be open to what they've decided to do. And a lot of the um, people today, I know a lot of people who are saying, I'm going to leave my job. I want to leave my job because they're requiring me to come into the office and mm -hmm. I want to work from home. So, and they want mm -hmm. 100% work from home, not, you know, 20% one day a week or 40% two days a week. They want 100% at home work. And that's great if your position allows you to do that. Some do, and I, you know, and some mm -hmm. absolutely do not. But that doesn't matter whether it's a, a male or female. It's what seems to be. We learned this through COVID. We learned that hey, we could mm -hmm. figure out a way to work from home, and it's working for us. And now a lot of people want to do that. They don't have to show up. So uh, mm -hmm. I think that that's probably something that that came out of that as well. But the fact that there are companies that their culture is slightly different. Even to the point of working hours, how many hours do they work and what are those hours? Nine to five, well, nine to five went by the wayside a long time ago where people weren't working a 40-hour week, but they were working 60 and 80 hours just to stay ahead and get the promotion. Mm -hmm. And that was the guys doing that. That was really, you know, mostly men in higher positions doing that. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because women weren't deep in the workforce like they are now, they're not getting in there in the way they are now. But to have that today, people are saying, well, I don't have to work nine to five. What if I worked 10 to four? You know, so there's not that same mm -hmm. ethic, if you will. How do you feel about that? Correct. Yes. And the reason it's got to change, it's about outcomes instead of output, instead of hours in, allowing people to work best when they work best. And many companies are recognizing that uh, people can be productive if given the trust that they'll do what needs to be done. So you've got to have a trusted environment that has managers that are totally dialed in, and they have a culture that has evolved to give people flexible work arrangements. Now, it also has to be more of a, I've seen this a lot, where people are, they'll tell you, yes, I did that, okay, 
And I know this from just talking to people on the phone that say, yes, I did that. And then they'll say, but Mm -hmm. the rest of the conversation you have to have with another person because it's not my job. Now, when I worked corporate, Mm -hmm. it was like, yes, I did that. I'd go and check with the other person. And you helped the customer on the other end of the phone. You helped the client, the customer, whoever Mm -hmm. it was on the other end of the phone. You didn't just pass them along. Mm -hmm. People tend to just stay within these blinders of this is where I want to be and I'm not going to move outside of that. And that right there is very mm-hmm. telling as to how they're going to be in, in any relationship. Do you agree? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. We are getting toward the top of the hour. So I'm going to ask you, is there anything that you would like to tell our members of the audience? Or let me ask you this first. What do you believe women can learn from your book? Because we know men things. are going to read Number it all one. the time. It's going to be women, too. <laughs> yeah, I think women can really learn, number one, what causes men to shut down and what it really invites them to open up and connect. I think the second thing is they will have a roadmap as to how to have a healthy relationship with the men in their life, not just their husbands, but their brothers their sons, their nephews. Uh, I think the third takeaway is that women will have some ideas on how to think about women in a fresh way. Uh, Because like you, I've heard from women from all over the world who've read the book and said, I got as much out of it uh, for my marriage, but also for myself. Uh, So that's that's something else that women will take away, uh, specific recommendations on things that they can think about as it relates to other women. And for the men, just to be able to relate to women, is that, is that the big takeaway for them? Yeah, I think the big takeaway for men is how do you show up as an MVP, most vulnerable person? That doesn't make you less masculine. It makes you more human. And it makes you stronger. It makes you look stronger mm-hmm. because you are stronger in doing that. So it makes you more accessible. It makes you somebody that's more Absolutely. approachable. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and so yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, if they go to ignitethepowerofwomen.com, we have a one-year free impact plan on specifically what can you do every single month to ignite the power of women in your life and truly become the man you want to be in your relationship you actually have a lot on, and I don't know which websites they're on because you have a couple of different websites. You have IgniteTheWomenInYourLife.com. You have SimonTBailey.com. You have mm-hmm. Instagram and LinkedIn. You have a ton of stuff. People just need to, if they go to just Simon T. Bailey, will they be able to link to everything else from there? I think they will. I think that's yes. the site I was on. Yes, yes that's what I thought. Yes. So SimonTBailey.com mm-hmm. will allow you to go to ignitethewomen.com ignite the yeah ignite the women in power um, women. Pow- ignite the power of women thank you dot com and mm-hmm. that will allow you to go to the online learning which you can also go to yes. simontbailey.com slash coaching or the free weekly newsletter so that's on there yes. the blog is on mm-hmm. there LinkedIn Instagram YouTube mm-hmm. Facebook Twitter you got it all You've got everything. I know these words. I don't do some of them. (laughs) But, yeah, you have it all there. And it it all can be – you can access all of it from simontbailey.com. So that's probably the easiest thing, right, to go to that one first. It's easy for them to remember. Okay, so that site, again, Mm -hmm. is S-I-M-O-N-T-B as in boy, A-I-L-E-Y.com. And that will take you to everything you need to know and learn and and get from from this book and from you as a coach and a – as a speaker, you know, so people can learn everything there in the blog and all that other newsletter and stuff, sign up for that. So that's really good. Um, now, why don't you tell us more about how they can purchase your book, how you prefer them to purchase yes. your book? Yeah, they can purchase the book at ignitethepowerofwomen.com. Okay, so and, go uh, again, and you can, yep. you can get to that from mm-hmm. simontbetty.com. <laughs> truly, truly, yes. Okay, great. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you on, Simon. I really appreciate your time and being here tonight. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. 
You are quite welcome. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on From the Heart Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you don't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share the good news by sending the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at From the Heart Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is Key Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at From the Heart Radio. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need. That's 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There's no salary, stipend, or compensation to anyone of any kind. Every penny goes toward underprivileged children. And right now, we're helping to subsidize the cost of mental health sessions for children who might not otherwise receive this very much needed and vital therapy. If you don't have strong mental health, you can't learn or live well at all. And all children deserve a fair chance for a good life. And that starts with mental health. And children need our help, and together we can provide them the help they need. So please consider donating to SojiKids.org because your donation will make a huge difference. Every single dollar matters. If you'd like to sponsor a child, please visit SojiKids.org to learn how. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, S-O-J-I-K-I-D-S.org. Please follow us on Twitter at Soji Huggles. While you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at From the Heart Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. Thank you.